0: Debbie is everything Marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Marketplace, Marketplace. Debbie is everything Marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Debbie Marketplace podcast. I'm not Kane sell. I am Shane Hallam. Uh, Kane is off doing important adult things like working uh but Nelly is here and we you know we're going to take a little different approach today um obviously we talk a lot of Debbie we talk a lot of fantasy but the college football season is starting very soon week zero will be starting at the end of this week and uh, one of the things that both Nellie and Kane and myself, we all have kind of gotten into more is college fantasy football um, and kind of kind of two different ways to play. And there's still time. College fantasy football generally starts with week one. So you still have a whole week if you want to get into a CFF league, go on fan tracks. You can find a bunch of leagues there. Um, and so basically you can play in a straight CFF kind of redraft league just like your your home league for your NFL fantasy football like there's college fantasy football and I think it's worth playing if you like Debbie, you learn so much more we t- we talked about with, with Chris Moxley last week about G5 players and we've been talking about some of these you know production and college translate to the NFL but obviously a CFF league is just about that one year's production you want big numbers and we're going to go through kind of position by position, talk about, you know, what do you look for for that? And on the other end is campus to Canton uh, or you even have maybe some college fantasy football dynasty leagues where you keep the players from year to year, like a normal dynasty. But um, we talk about campus to canton on here a lot. Campus to Canton.com, one of our favorite websites and campus to Canton is basically just a combination of a CFF dynasty league where you play college fantasy football and you keep your players from year to year. But once they, go to the NFL, then you have an NFL fantasy team where they move up to that NFL fantasy team. So you kind of do both at the same time, play two different leagues, uh, but they are connected in the players that you get. So you have to kind of balance those two things. And so we talk about it often, don't always explain what it is. So I'm sure there's new people listening, like what, what is campus camp? What when talk CFF, what do you mean? Um, so, so I would kind of want to put it out there today. Nellie and I will kind of go through position by position and talk about what you look for in cff what you look for in campus to canton like what you know what kind of things you actually looking for uh, kind of a, a basics um that you know might be advanced for some of you and i hope it inspires some people out there to go before the season starts to play some cff or maybe even next year play some campus to Canton. but nelly how you doing man how's how's life how you feeling
0: i'm good i'm i'm ready to go i'm excited to talk uh some college fantasy football i mean been waiting to do this podcast all off season honestly and and it's finally here so i'm excited for it
1: that's good and kane's not even gonna call you a nerd here so that's, that's <laughs> positive you know who, he might show up who do he might just randomly show up at some point we don't know so if yeah, so off the know.
0: hook for now for this week
1: <laughs> well yeah we'll see will see how long it lasts um Yeah, but let's just kind of dig into, uh, you know, to this, uh, just to kind of start with um, what's kind of your experience with CFF, with C2C, and do you have any kind of overarching strategy before we dig into kind of position to position uh, for, for, for those type of leagues?
0: Yeah, so I only started last year, actually. I, I joined a couple Campus DeCanton leagues. And so within that, I got a, I basically participated in two CFF Dynasty leagues because that's essentially what the one half is. But I dove in uh, like headfirst. I built an entire database to to assist myself in, in those drafts. Sounds because, like Nelly
1: right there. Sounds like yeah. Nelly.
0: <laughs> and and I, I found some success. And I think that's what's so exciting about this. What's so fun is... It's it's so new you know there's like a small CFF community that's great by the way on Twitter um, so if you're interested in that go find them everyone's super helpful but in terms of like the college side on campus Decant leagues everyone's pretty new to it so there's so much um, unturned soil to kind of dig through you can carve your own path and, and find your own strategy so I've kind of developed some strategies on my own that I've I found success with earlier and I, I hope to continue to.
1: Yeah. I, I, I've played CFF intermittently for a long time. I mean, my first probably college fantasy league probably a decade ago. I mean, it's probably been a while now, like, and I hated it. Right. Cause I, I didn't, I, you know, I definitely did not, there was no community, there's no anything. It was like, join this Yahoo public, like CFF league, which doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, and I was like, I don't know, you know, who these players are. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and like you said, I think now we have more of a community. I started C2C last year, just like you did. I was awful. And I think I learned a ton after that first year when you like try it out and you're like, oh, wait, here's what didn't work. Here's what does work. Here's how the rules affect things. Uh, I was lucky enough to join the Kings classic CFF league. We drafted live at, uh, at the expo um, run by John lob and has, it's just some of like like all, all 11 other people are smarter than me. i <laughs> <CFF, laughs> have the least experience. You know, we had Chris on last week, Dwight uh, Peebles who I know well, the campus decanton guys drafted a team, Eric Froton from NBC sports edge, riddle world, JD Yonke, Matt Hicks, like uh you know all these guys like were like doing mock drafts Jared Palmgren, like doing mock drafts every week and i'm like i have i haven't drafted the c f f team in ten years, you know, and I'm like oh here we go, you know I'm gonna do it um but so so like if you want to do c f f like tweet at John lob, he will retweet you like you will get a retweet from him. <laughs> he all he wants is people to to do it um and I think yeah I think for me it was for c two c kind of finding um you know what 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 is what is college production what is college production of fantasy cuz i think us and if you know us Debbie dynasty players know the what nfl production looks like right now you talk all the time about how rushing yards such a such a bonus you know something that's something we know built in this is important but like cff I, I don't think people think about it enough what does that mean what you know uh is receiving running backs. Does that matter as much? You know, I think there's a lot of things that we can kind of suss out here today and, um, you know, kind of look at um, let's, let's just start with the quarterback position. Um, what, you know, are there, what do you look for both, you know, hit me with CFF then hit me with college dynasty C2C. Um, you know, what are you looking for when you're drafting a team? Are there certain traits schools like, what 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 are you kind of aiming for when you draft quarterbacks in a, in a college fantasy setting?
0: Yeah, so I think system is so important, and I think that's relatively unique compared to the NFL because systems are so much more drastically different from each other. Like the NFL, there's a scale, but it's everyone's relatively similar. College fantasy football, the the scale is massive. Like for example, you have Western Kentucky. Um, uh, they last year they brought in an entire system from Houston Baptist and they threw the ball sixty times a game with Bailey Zappi and he was he was the quarterback one by far last year um, and and they lost their offensive coordinator but they keep the same system um, they promoted from within so a, a guy who I really like now is Austin Reed at, at Western Kentucky who has won that job he's a he's a grad transfer from. I believe Northern Florida, Western Florida, it's one, it's a D two school in Florida, but he won the job over Jared Dage, Um, And he has two years of eligibility. And if he's like 50% of Bailey's happy, he's going to be a quarterback one in college fantasy football. So look for those systems that, that just have high volume. They have high passing tendencies, and then you need the quarterback to be competent as well.
1: Yeah, and so when we talk about that, I mean, you mentioned Bailey Zappi and that system he threw it 686 times, um, which I think was the most in college, in, you know, college and FBS. Um, the second most was another system that we know well, and that's Mike Leach in Mississippi State, Will Rogers threw it 683 times. He was three short of Bailey Zappi, right? And so, like, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's important and it's difficult when you're looking at coaches, what are they going to do? Um, and that's where a lot of these people that are really smart about CFF, right? Like study what these coaches do where, you know, I, I would think Mississippi state, if I was just like, didn't follow this at all, like, wow, well, you know, they're a bad SEC school. Like, I don't want anyone right. They're playing SEC schools. I don't want anyone like Will Rogers is a plug and play. Just if you, if you need them, you toss them in and you're probably have a nice floor of like 20 points a week. Um, maybe it doesn't have that upside that Austin Reed might have, or, um, you know, we see Western Kentucky's offensive coordinator go to Texas Tech, right? And and Cain's talked about Tyler Shock and Miles Price, the receiver there. Like, you know, so if you kind of follow these coaches and these systems a little bit, I'm with you. I think that can be really important. Like talent is important. If you have a player who's very talented and especially if they have some rushing ability, um, depending on, on your scoring, if you have four points for touchdowns throwing, the rushing, I think, is so increased. Like in, 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 I feel like in NFL leagues, we don't care as much for point six point passing touchdowns. I think in CFF, it's actually a, a much bigger spread um, because now you want that rushing. So, like you know, we talk about, Anthony Richardson, definitely a Debbie guy. He's an interesting CFF player because he he could stink. You know, he he could not be any good. I know how much you like him. He has that rushing upside and you know, could absolutely be a top five quarterback if he flashes that talent. So I think you have to kind of balance those things out. Um, you know, A lot of people weren't taking CJ Stroud super high last year. He, you know, he was a top, he was a QB one and going to be again. Um, So I think it, it gets, you have to kind of look at both those things like, okay, either we need to get the really good system. We need to get the really good quarterback. Um, And even sometimes the really good quarterback doesn't always get you big numbers.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, that i mean that's a big thing because if you're in a system where they it's a low volume system or a high passing or a high rushing rate system it doesn't matter if the quarterback's good uh, i mean systems in college tend to not cater to their positions as much that's a pretty broad general statement but generally speaking these these systems have been in play for a while and they stick with what they do and the other thing is like the good specifically, if we're talking about the college side of C2Cs, the good players are gone early, whether they're good college producers or not. They're good because they're good devy assets. So you kind of have to throw away the just draft the best players because you can't do that at a certain point. You actually have to get into the weeds and say who is going to produce. Like it's not, it's not all about talent at that point.
1: And that's when we talk about, um, you know, when we talked like G5 last week, or we talk about maybe some of these lesser power five schools, like you can find really good players, quarterbacks there. Lee Cunningham at Louisville is going to run a ton. You know, he's going to be good. Um, Daquan Finn has been a guy that's gone pretty late that from the Mac that, um, you know, I know you were on pretty early and, he, you know, he's for Toledo, he's probably going to run. And be a decent bi-week filling guy. So you can look at some of the smaller schools that have the systems and make it work. What about for C2C? Is there anything you look for in your drafting, I guess, younger guys for the future?
0: Um it's sort of the same thing. You know, if you have two guys equal in talent, equal in ability and equal in system and situation, you want the guy who's going to play multiple years versus the guy that's going to play one year, having multiple years of eligibility is, is worth more because you don't have to recycle that roster spot and find someone new to replace them. So I, I really value finding guys like that who have two, three years left of eligibility so that I have that position locked up for a few years. So, With that being said, it's kind of just being proactive rather than reactive. Like a guy with Daquan Finn hasn't been a full-time starter. He started for the second half of last year at at Toledo. Um, But he will be this year. He has three years of eligibility left, and he's going to be the full-time starter. He's going to run at least 10 times a game, and he's done a pretty good job passing the ball as well with room to improve. He's been uh, very inaccurate, but he's already been super productive while being inaccurate. So there's there's room to improve there. So that's the sort of thing I look for. And other guys like a guy like we go somewhere else in the MAC to Kent State. Um, uh, I can't. Who's the starter at Kent State? It just Colin blanked on me. Yeah, Colin Schley. Colin Schley steps in. He is uh two or three years of eligibility left who he's never started before. He he was a he came in towards the end of games in the past. But that system has has high passing volume. They're successful in the Mac and their quarterbacks have been successful in the past. And he's also a mobile guy who's going to provide that rushing on the ground. So being proactive, recognizing hey, this guy is going to be a good asset even though he hasn't been before and you can get a, a discount on guys like him.
1: And look, you never know when and it's rare, but a guy like that could end up being an NFL, you know, prospect or end up being a day two pick. And, the uh, like no one, no one, no one thought Bailey happy no matter what, was ever getting drafted in the NFL. And in a, in a C2C league, he's not a bad asset to have on a roster. I'll even say, you know, when we talk about like system and looking at young guys, um, look at Colorado State. Jay Norvell's going from Nevada to Colorado State. Clay Millen the young uh, quarterback that i think a lot of us liked coming in to nevada to take over for carson strong after he was gone now moving with him going to start in a pass friendly system that we've seen happen he's going to hes a he's uh, you know a freshman essentially a redshirt freshman like he's going to have multiple years probably in a really good system for him you know, with some good receivers starting off year 1 like those are the type of guys that you can get that people may not necessarily think of and he's going pretty late in cff drafts so that's worthwhile. Uh, how about the running back position? What uh, I think could be a little more difficult um, when we talk like systems. You know, we've heard Kane talk about Brad Roberts uh, from that triple option of Air Force before, but you know, outside of the triple the, the triple option systems, like so many college teams are moving to passing. How do you evaluate running backs, CFF, and C two C? And you know, is there a way to identify systems that favor running backs
0: yeah so i think a big thing is some coaches have a tendency (laughs) to use um they they prefer workhorses rather than committees that's that's a bit of a trend that that kind of repeats itself in college football so if you can find those backfields that have uh workhorse tendencies and you can find the back that's going to be the workhorse it'll pay massive dividends um and so when you 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 look for that and then similar to the quarterbacks, if you can find those guys stepping into those roles before they actually have, you can get them for pretty cheap. Um, So off the top of my head, a guy I really like out of coastal Carolina is Braden Bennett. Um, And they actually, this isn't the best example because they're a little bit of a committee, but they run so much in that offense that multiple guys get a lot of work. And, and they um, I think Shermari Jones was the leading running back last year and he's off to the NFL. And Brandon Bennett steps in. He also has three years of eligibility left. And he was incredibly efficient uh, compared to the rest of the backfield last year. Uh, and he caught the ball a ton, too. He's actually their leading returning receiver at uh, Coastal Carolina. So, like, I don't expect that to continue. But the point is, um, I, I think he's in for a big step up in, in production because it just seems like he is. he's talented enough to that step.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm with you. Like Coastal Carolina, I mean that offense itself is going to be good. I apologize for coughing over uh, over Nelly, but uh, I did get COVID at the expo, <laughs> so I'm still I'm still I'm still recovering. So that could be my excuse. Um, but yeah, I, I, Coastal Carolina. I think in general, I like Coastal Carolina as like a, a system that um, that's worth looking at. Yeah, you know, I'll say. Like it's tough. We talked last week about guys like Rashina Lee and Lou Nichols, who you know Marshall and in um, Central Michigan, they're like by far the best player on the field, probably in their games in the MAC. And so I think you can get like the conference, like the MAC, um, con- you know, conferences like like when you have a team like Coastal Carolina that's more talented than the teams in their conference. I think the running backs often are the difference makers because they can, if you have better offensive linemen have better running back like they can get a lot of yardage they can get a lot of touchdowns Uh, I'll tell you one system I like and and I don't think it's necessarily set who's going to take it over but I think it could actually have two guys that are worthwhile in CFF and that's Northern Illinois Mm -hmm. Um, their leading rusher last year Jay Ducker went to Memphis and so I I like the next two guys Harrison Whaley uh, and then Tario Brown who were both freshmen last year Uh, both have some talent and like you know, aren't going super high. They're both like kind of um, shorter guys. Um, and, you know, I, I Whaley caught some passes last year, but neither were really big pass catchers. I actually like both talent-wise pretty well. And I think you can get both late. And if like one of those guys gets hurt or um, they run the ball enough that like you can get enough touchdowns to be good. One of the things I struggled with in CFF and C2C College side last year was like, I would start – Coastal Carolina, I'd start like Reese White, who basically was like the goal line back. And so, like, sometimes you could just get three carries, and it's like, ah, crap. It's like, sometimes for a flex position, having a Harrison Whaley, having an Ontario Brown you can plug in, it's probably going to get you 15 points. Maybe you get lucky with a big touchdown or two in, in a high-scoring game. It's not the worst thing in the world. And, you know, in a year, in two years, one of this guy's transfers, whatever, you know – if you're in a C2C or in a CFF dynasty, like it can really work out for you.
0: Yeah. I love that call. That was actually, that was the next name that came to mind. So I'm glad you did. And I use one of those teams where they will run the ball literally whenever they can. And they're good enough that they're in a lot of positive game scripts in the Mac that they're able to just run the ball. So they're going to run the ball 40, 50 times a game. I think they had the, the most carries out of any non triple option team last year in, in, college football. And they lost Jay Ducker, as you said. People love Ontario Brown. I think he has a better shot to be an NFL back. Uh, he was he was previously a South Carolina commit before he ended up at NIU. And I think he's a little bit bigger. But I, I like Whaley there a lot. Uh, he was the lead back before he got hurt last year when Ducker and Brown stepped in. But he, he was carrying the ball like 20, 25 times for 100 for hundred yards a game. Um, so, I have him everywhere because he goes cheaper than Brown does.
1: Oh, it's it's interesting because I I think the the CFF leagues I've done, like you said, I, I think when you're in a, a CFF versus C2C, like CFF Whaley's going much earlier than C2C people think until Brown's going to be an NFL guy, so he goes much earlier. That's how these can really differ depending on you know the format that you're playing into.
0: Yeah, and one more name. Um, For If you're in a league where it's like point per reception or if even if there – I know there are some leagues where there's tiered point per reception of running backs get more. Which, by the way, if that's a thing, you can exploit that so much more in in college fantasy football than regular dynasty because people don't know the rules regularly. So if they don't know the rules and they don't know the players, you can really exploit it. Um, But a running back who's going to catch a lot of passes is Blake Watson at Old Dominion. Um, he was actually formerly a receiver, so he has the ability, and they've used him that way in the past. So that's another name to keep an eye on, especially if you're in a league where running backs get a lot of bonuses for receptions. Okay,
1: let me let me just let's dig into that a little bit because I I struggle with it. Now, some CF leagues check your settings. Some of them don't do PPR as much, um, but when they do, do you do you prefer? running backs that catch the football like to me it's so rare it's so difficult no one's catching 80 90 passes like in the nfl you know some christian mccaffrey can do um so you know that that's what makes it tough like even once again you talk about a a pass heavy system something like mississippi state something like mike leach i mean jaquavius marks um who's going to be starting there I mean he caught 83 balls last year that was the most like the most in college football um uh, I believe so like and, and that's that's really an outlier it's so even good pass catching running backs sometimes only catch 10 20 passes at a maximum um or once again are you looking at systems like Old Dominion where maybe that that is an exploitable piece
0: yeah there are a few systems that do it to the one of the names that comes to the top of my mind is Hawaii. I know they used Calvin Turner that way last year. They used Day-Day Hunter. They'll use Dedrick Parsons this year in that role. But you're right. It's not as consistent, and I don't think it's as much of a necessity because you can get guys who don't catch any passes, but they see so much volume on the ground that it just doesn't really matter. A guy like Dwayne McBride at at UAB he doesn't catch any passes, right? But he he carries the ball twenty, twenty five, thirty times a game, even. So, and he's he's good at it. So, it's not necessarily a necessity, but you can find guys who are more under the radar who do catch passes, like those Hawaii backs. Those are those are names that aren't really on. I know some people have Dedrick Parsons on their radar this year, but it's it's a deeper name. And so, if you are in a league where you can exploit the scoring like that, you can take advantage of it.
1: Yeah. So once again, worth trying, if you have never tried a CFF league, you don't have to know every player, every system, every team, you know, you you can figure it out. Uh, Let's move to receiver. We'll hit receiver real quick. Um, I I always feel like receiver it's tough to differentiate too much. Once again, like we were talking about with quarterback system, dependent receivers can be worthwhile. Um, But I, I do think talent helps a little more than it does at some of these other positions. So how do you view receiver Nelly?
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. Like, I actually think running backs are so much easier to find than receivers because running backs kind of cater to the system, and if teams are bad or if they don't have stars, they'll generally tend to rely on running the ball, especially if their quarterback stinks. But receivers, you really need to be good to earn the volume. It's not necessarily – like, teams don't have necessarily volume – roles. I mean, it's, there are, but it's few and far between where you're seeing a high concentration of the targets, even if you're not that good, like you actually just targets are earned. Like that's something that we say for the NFL, but it's, it's true for college as well. So you do have to look for talent. Now you can kind of get around that. If you find those schemes that are super high pass volume, like if you go to Western Kentucky, we talked about earlier, Jarrett Stearns last year was the wide receiver one. Now he was good. I mean, he's in a, he's in an NFL training camp. With with the box, but um, his market share numbers weren't that great. It's just that volume was absurd there. So if you can go there this year, you find a guy like Malachi Corley. He's a I think he's a redshirt freshman, so he's got a few years left, and he could potentially be in that same situation where just the sheer volume that that is that is used there props up his, his raw numbers.
1: Yeah, I, I do think receiver is tough. Like if you can get the number one on some of the systems, like you talked about, Buster, Kentucky, but there's a possibility, right. That, that Malachi Corley isn't that guy, or they spread the ball, you know, even if they pass a ton, they spread it around more. And so now he's not worth it. Um, Like you're going to get a lot more uh, low scoring receiver games. I feel like than if a running back gets volume, they're going to score college fantasy points, but receivers, teams might rotate five, six guys, you know, might come in the game. And like, even if it's a decent system that can happen, like, so oftentimes it is the better teams, you know, it it is the top receiver for Ohio state and Texas and USC and, you know, Alabama, like those guys are going to perform because those offenses are going to perform consistently and they have NFL talent. Um, So I think usually you do see that. uh, But, you know, like, like, like Nilly said, I think if you can find uh, Texas Tech, SMU, Western Kentucky, you know, Kent State, like those top receivers that have shown that they can do it and are probably going to keep those roles, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's still worth, uh, worth drafting. But uh, honestly, to me, receivers usually the waiver wire. Like there are usually receivers on the waiver wire that no one expected to have production that's t- just have production consistently through the year.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Guys de- generally tend to emerge there. It's one of those positions where I-, I like to get them first before I hit the other positions in CFF. Out once you get through the top few rounds and you hit all the premier options everywhere, I like to secure my top college fantasy wide receivers first because I, I agree it's tough, especially to find guys who have multiple years of production ahead of them. Uh, one one little trend that I've found. Uh, now this isn't quantitative by any means, but uh, it seems that it, it's a bit of a trend. Is if you get Power Five guys that transfer down to G five, oftentimes those guys are are pretty talented and find their way into good production. So a guy like Pukanacua at at BYU, a guy like um, at Old Dominion. Let's go back to Old Dominion. You got Ali Jennings who transferred down from West Virginia. Um, to Valence at arkansas state was at tcu at some point it, it's a constant trend of guys who become their teams wide receiver ones uh, mac Hickett, hip and hammer hip and hammer i think that's how you say it, that's it you know, state, yeah. and now he's stepping into the main role there in the mac at miami ohio so that's a little bit of of a trend to look out for because those are guys who are probably pretty talented considering where they started their careers
1: and don't be afraid of small guys if they produce, like the NFL is like, Ugh. even if if they're pretty small, usually they, they're not gonna produce. But you know, Nathaniel Dell with Houston, um, I like Tyrese Chambers at, at FIU, like once again, number one receivers that can Calvin Austin last year, just like he was a great you know, CFF player when he played. Um, it's fine, like it doesn't matter i feel like in the nfl matter size matters and role and like nope, you can be 150 pounds and produce in, in college and once you know, once again nathaniel Dell's probably a draftable prospect in the nfl like for a c2c or college dynasty it's not it's not the worst thing uh all right real quick let's touch on tight ends because tight end i think follows similar trends to receivers like talent oftentimes wins out uh like Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Brock Bowers from Georgia, uh, probably the top two by a step in tight ends. Um, And as John Lobb says, tight ends in CFF, you can get a lot of bagels. You can get a lot of zeros. Like, if you don't have a good tight end, sometimes the guys that will will have 10 catches one week and then just zero, just don't don't get a look. And so I think you really have to be um, willing to either draft one early or, like, take the hit and try to play around and and get that. I don't know if you found that with tight ends. I struggled last year in, you know, C2C, like I had garbage tight ends and I just kept getting zeros and I would lose games. I would lose games because of it. And I was like, this is frustrating. Um, so I, I don't know how, uh, how things go for you.
0: Yeah, no tight ends are the worst. It's, it's tough because it's, as you said, a lot of it has to do with talent because if you don't have a talented tight end, you just throw it to your receivers. Um, there aren't that many systems that are built around a tight end attack that now there are a couple, I mean, like bowling green, for some reason, always has tight ends that produce, unfortunately they're not very good. So their tight ends produce relative to the rest of their team, but it's still not, not incredible, but it's, it's fantasy relevant, but for the most part, uh, it's not system based, it's talent based and you just got to find those guys, um, I guess more systems, but these guys also produce NFL talent. So it's a chicken or egg situation. But Iowa and Stanford tend to have tight ends that put up numbers.
1: Yeah. And and I think you can look at last year, you know, like once again, if you find a, a combination of the two of a high volume passing offense like Old Dominion and a talented player, their tight end, Zach Kuntz, who came from Penn State and transferred down, you're probably, you know, he's probably tight end uh let's say after Michael Trigg uh you know in, in CFF like he's probably gonna produce pretty well but yeah you have to be willing to if you're gonna wait um like in the Kings Classic League I waited really long I got one of your guys Delhi, Gavin Bartholomew from Pitt but like I- I'm gonna take some zeros in that position <laughs> you know I'm gonna take this gonna be some weeks I'm gonna take some yeah. zeros and I-, I have to accept that and uh that's 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 tough to see when you play like redraft your whole life. <laughs> you know, every tight ends are going to get passes.
0: So. Yeah, it's painful. I get one one last tight end name who's maybe a little bit more of a sleeper if if you're newer to it is Josh Simon at Western Kentucky. Going back to that Western Kentucky, well, because that <laughs> offense is so it's so friendly for us. But uh, he's a tight end. I think it's his fourth year, but he has a couple years of eligibility left. And uh, he tore his ACL in the first game last year, but not after putting up 80 yards and two touchdowns. So what could have been a a massive season didn't happen, but he might be their most talented receiver this year.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Uh, So hopefully we've convinced you to try CFF this year, uh, try C2C next year or CFF dynasty If you want help with it, if you're like, okay, I want to try this, but like, I still don't know, you know, this this was a great half hour, but like what, you know, what am I going to be able to draft the team from this? Join the discord. Uh, If you go to Debbie marketplace on Twitter in the pinned comment, we have the discord link or just DM me. I'll send it to you. Um, And we, we have a whole CFF channel there, like C2C channels. You can ask questions and honestly, like probably outside of our secret shoppers, Which you could also join for twenty five dollars a year. Um, That's probably what I answer the most because I I just you know not a lot of people like posting there. But when people do, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like we'll we'll do that. I like doing odd things. So Uh, join that. We'll help you out. Um, But let's let's transition to the end here. Unless you have have anything else, Nelly. Any last last minute? See if I have things you.
0: No, there are so many names that I like, so many guys that I've found, so many systems that are that are friendly. It's hard to go through it all in a podcast. So come and join the Discord. Discord, let's talk about, it, especially as the season gets started. It'll be fun.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll have channels going in there too, just to like during games, talk talk about things and guys breaking out and guys that pick up on waivers and um, and like I said, if you join the Secret Choppers, we do a second podcast where we'll take your questions kind of live on there. Um, and a lot of times we end up talking some CFF stuff just cause it's different. So you can check that out. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give a history minute, even though Kane's not here to enjoy it, but, um, we're going to go back to 1866 for this history minute. And one of my favorite countries in the world, Liechtenstein, the sixth smallest nation in the world. Um, so the last war they fought in was 1866 was the Austro-Prussian War. They actually disbanded their military in 1868, so they haven't had one since. Um, so let me ask you this question, Nelly. If you're, you know, if you're an army, you're fighting a battle, how do you determine if you win or lose?
0: There's um, some ways
1: that you could determine that.
0: Uh, if you are where you started, if you, most of your men aren't dead, I think those are two pretty big categories
1: that's pretty good right like if if or you know in this case they're going to be defending land so if you are restarted you you know you defend it and um so so they went to brenner pass which is between austria and italy basically to defend it against the italians this was toward the end of the austro prussian war uh italy never attacked and so like you said if, if you don't lose any money so they literally didn't lose any money right Prussia wins the war, and so the soldiers march home. they sent eighty soldiers they had a hundred so they kept twenty back they sent eighty soldiers they sit there they look at the mountains it's really pretty. they come home and they count the numbers then they have eighty one soldiers come home so like I think that's how you know when you gained a soldier somehow that's how you know you won, and there's still not anything um it's not anything concrete about who this like mystery person was. Some some reports say it was an Italian defector that like just just joined the Liechtenstein army. Some say it was a, a liaison from Austria. But it's the only recorded instance of an army growing when it returned home from uh, from a war. And there you go.
0: That's that's impressive. A resounding victory. I thought you were going to say it was a spy who returned among them and they didn't <laughs> know who it was.
1: And then they literally disbanded the military in 1868. So they, that was it. That was the last battle, quote unquote, that they ever fought in. They didn't fight anyone, but that they were a part of.
0: They retired on top.
1: That, that's it. That's it. They, yeah, they, uh, Peyton Manning it right there. Yeah. Lee Stein. <laughs> I love it. Uh, buy, sell unknown stock. Let's do it. I'll do mine real quick. They're all NFL related. My buy is Josh Jacobs, which is a, a, a it's a, it hurts to buy Josh Jacobs, but he's like super cheap. Uh, they just cut Kenyon Drake. I don't buy the Amir Abdullah hype. He's garbage. Uh, he's like absolute garbage. So like, I think Josh Jacobs, even though they didn't bring him back, is gonna have a ton of carries this year. I still like Samir White. I think Josh Jacobs. So so so, if you're competing, like just you could buy him for like a late second. Uh, it, it, maybe even get Josh Jacobs to something with him. It's wild. Uh, myself, is Davis Mills. You know, we, we talked on the Secret Shopper podcast. We're, we're not big in the preseason, you and I. Like, I don't like to watch it. But, like, all reports, like, Davis Mills looked really bad. And has looked really bad all camp. And it's just been bad. And so, I think – so, like, when I'm drafting, when I've drafted Dynasty Startups or whatever this year, like, I see Davis Mills I'm like, okay, he was did okay as a rookie. He's young. And I kind of want him. I think people are going to think that. But, A – He's not going to be the starter in a year. They're going to draft someone else. They're going to have a top pick. They have multiple first round picks. Um, So I think you sell him now. I I, I just don't think his value is going to go up. I think it's going to go down from here. And I think you can get a decent amount for him. My unknowns, Darnell Mooney. I like Darnell Mooney. I think he's going to have a good season because he's like one of two receiving options for the Bears this year. And that's usually a good sign you know, in terms of fantasy production. But I still just don't know if Darna Mooney is ever going to be like an alpha receiver, right? He's probably never going to be that guy. At some point, they're going to draft a really good receiver, maybe even next year. And he gets relegated to a number two. They have some more options there. So I I just wonder, like, when to sell him if I should – like, I'm going to keep him this year. But, like, I feel like after the season, if he has a really good year, I almost want to set it up to sell him before the Bears add more weapons or, you know – Justin Fields gets hurt. I don't know. Like bad things can happen, so I, I don't know what to do with him. But
0: there's mine. I like those. I agreed with everything you were saying. I was. Oh, not... look at that! See, Although, see what, Kane's not here,
1: we just we just yeah. agreed.
0: This is nice. <laughs> so much cohesion here. Although I think Mooney could be the next Deontay Johnson. I think that lines up. Um, All right. I am buying Malik neighbors at LSU camp reports. There have said that he's been the best offensive player this, this fall. Uh, I'm a big fan. I actually think that I may have had him as a buy in the past. So um, apologies if this is a repeat, but if you hadn't buy him, if you didn't buy him when I told you to last time, go buy him now, because uh, he's going to be on the field a lot. And LSU produces NFL wide receivers, and Malik Neighbors had a, a surprisingly good freshman season. Uh, so go buy him. I am selling, and I talked about this a little bit on on the second podcast. Branson Robinson, I'm a little bit worried about now. He's been the second or third freshman running back off the board in college side drafts. Um, high four-star at Georgia. He may maybe even a five-star, but one of the top recruits and absolutely massive, like ripped. Um, So I think people really enjoyed that, and that's part of what hyped him up. But reports were that he was behind the other freshman there, Andrew Paul, before Andrew Paul tore his ACL um, earlier this week. So while this might be a short-term kind of buy window because maybe he steps into a little bit more opportunity, um, long-term it's not a good sign to me that he was the second best freshman there so that worries me a little bit you might be able to sell him here for for current cost and I mean you can't go wrong because he's pretty expensive like he doesn't have that much room to go up uh, my unknown is Jackson Dart quarterback at Ole Miss uh, earlier it seemed like he was going to lose the job to Luke Altmyer now it sounds like Th- that has flipped it sounds like he's in the lead to win the job um and with that I think comes a great sell window for him with because there's some devi hype for him that, that he's a potential NFL quarterback and it's all hype at this point he's never done it on the field and he struggled mightily in spring camp for Ole Miss so I would maybe sell when you can, but also he's here in the unknown because that's such a helpful system for, for college fantasy football, as we just talked about. That's one of those systems that throws the ball a ton. Matt Corral was just super successful in it. Um, and Jackson Dart's also mobile, and Ole Miss helps out with that too. Those, those quarterbacks get to run a little bit. So it, it's a balancing act of, of what you want him for and what you can get for him.
1: There you go. That's the show. Uh, if you notice, we, we had a new podcast pop up. If you're subscribed to our um, feed, um, that's the college football overdrive podcast with Fred and Rick. So let us know what you thought about it, but you'll be hearing from them a couple times, probably a little shorter podcasts about college football. If you're not a college football person, you listen to this whole show you'll get a recap from them every week of what happened and you know who's looking good that kind of thing i once again join the discord it's free uh just dm one of us if, if you can't find the link and we're happy to give it to you we love having people in there just hanging out uh talking football um and if you want to join the secret shoppers program you get a whole second podcast every week plus i think we're up to over 30 back uh, and podcasts so you'll get 30 new podcasts immediately uh if you join it's 25 dollars for an entire calendar year uh not just the rest of the year like you get it for a whole year and uh, you get access to um, a secret area where you could direct access to us ask questions that type of thing get the second podcast join listener leagues things like that so i hope end uh, of rankings yeah, oh man. Well, your your stuff's the best part. <laughs> I just leave that <laughs> off. Like no Nelly's got a whole freaking database in there just sitting in the secret shopper section. So uh which he'll be adding to. And yeah, you get all rankings, Debbie rankings. You want my redraft rankings? I'll give them to you. Whatever you want, I'll <laughs> go give it to you. So I don't know. Join. Join. Make fun of Nelly's database. It'll be good. Um Yeah, there we go. That's it. So thanks. Thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate all of you and um, Ken will be back next week and uh, we'll talk to you then.